Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic, and how is everyone doing this evening? Happy and blessed Tuesday, blessed feast of St. Rose of Lima, and welcome to episode 372 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight I'll give my thoughts about the most recent episode of House of the Dragon, for those that actually care about the show, and I can totally understand why anyone would not care about the show, but I have some thoughts about it nonetheless. And also, I'll be talking about The Black Phone, which I literally just finished as it was a movie that I heard a lot of positive things about. It did very well box office-wise, as it had a low budget and was able to do relatively well, especially in comparison to said budget. And I heard a lot of really good things about it. A lot of people had recommended it to me. And so since it is now available on digital, I was able to pick it up digitally because I still have a, uh, <laughs> I still have a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Gift card, as it were, that I could use on digital movies. And so I was able to do so. And uh, yeah, let's just say I've got some thoughts and I've got uh, very, very positive thoughts to say the very least. But before going any further, please make sure that you smash that like button, not that fire button if you're watching over on Odyssey. And also make sure, of course, that you are subscribed to the channel as that is the only way you can participate if you are in the YouTube channel because we're trying to do the very best that we can to get away from bots and trolls and things like that. So I do tr put a, a five-minute subscriber window on it. Um, but then again, it still somehow doesn't stop the bots. I don't quite understand how it doesn't. But you can also watch over on DLive, over on Odyssey. And uh, yeah, those are the, the platforms that you can watch on. And hopefully I can broaden that out to even more platforms in the future. But as of right now, the other platforms that I'm aware of either have trickinesses to them or make you pay just to be able to live stream, which, hey, I'm not down for that. But let's go ahead and say hello to some people. We got Input Latency. Hail to you, Input Latency. Thank you for being here. Thanks for tagging. We got the Master of Gaming. What's going on? Welcome back. Derek McManus in the chat. Hail to you. We got Kili Chow, who is a member. Hail to you, member. If you have a comment or question, please put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. At Odin. Let's me know that you're trying to get my attention. Unless, of course, you are a member on the channel, in which case, all you need to do is just put uh, a comment. And as long as you're not tagging anybody else. I will know that you are talking or trying to talk to me, not trying to talk to anybody else. Kimberly G, what's going on? Says, just popped in to say hi, everyone. And of course, give a like. I'll be watching, but I won't be able to chat. Well, Kimberly G, thank you very much for listening. Nonetheless, I appreciate the support. Uh, thank you again. Uh, Mr. Roy, hail to you. Thanks for being in the chat. Good, sir. We got Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthington here in the Steadfast. What's going on? Nathan Slay is here as well. We got GMonkey76, hail to you. JS Pena getting already started. Um, not very tactful in this comment, JS Pena. Uh, <laughs> not the master of tact. Uh, but he says here, watched a video you made years ago, and I'm curious what the heck happened to your hair. Well, you see, here's the thing. I, I have hair. I can still grow hair. In fact, if there's if I go a couple of days without shaving my head, you'll even see that I've got, you know, the five o'clock shadow thing going on, and you can even see it a little bit right now. So I can grow hair. It's just that I have a light spot up here. I have a light spot. I had had the light spot up there for years. And uh, one day I decided, you know what? I don't really like it all that much. You know, I had cut my hair short, and I said, you know what? I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to try going bald. You know, give it a shot. Uh, I did, and overall, I liked the the baldness with the beard. I, it's, uh, I think, very fetching. I think, I think that I, I suit it, or it suits me, rather, very well. And since then, I've decided to stick with it, and it's a lot easier maintenance 
because I don't have to worry about haircuts. Do have to worry about the beard trim every now and then because I am not an expert when it comes to trimming my beard or upkeeping it. But um, but yeah, that is the reason why. So I can grow hair, and there are a plethora of pictures that I could show of me with hair, even long hair. It's just that I have a light spot, and it just doesn't look very good, especially when it gets longer. And so, hey, figured why not? Why not just shave it? It's a lot more comfortable that way anyway, and it makes wearing my uh, my flat cap during the winter much easier of an affair. Keck44, what's going on? We got Tudor in the chat. What's going on, Tudor? We got Cacao and Cookies. Minion, hail to you. The R in the chat. What's going on? Nathan Slate, time to say, seeing the black phone in your title made me immediately excited to watch this stream. Yeah, uh, Nathan, were you the one, one of the ones that was recommending it to me or you had wanted to go see it? Um, either way, yeah, I, I'm very, very happy that I was actually able to finally watch it, and I'll, I'll go ahead and get into uh, that uh, after I go through the House of the Dragon as well. Let me go ahead and try to see if I can catch up with the uh, let's see if I can catch up with the chat. Pretty early in the chat, but looks like I'm I'm actually doing well speed wise. Alejandro's opinion is better. Says House of the Dragon seems decent, but then you remember got end Game of Thrones ending. Exactly, that is something that is definitely still a very big part of this show for me. Is that no matter how much interest is raised in any of the characters or in any of the the family lines and lineages and what they're trying to set up for. All that it does is remind you of, oh, wait a minute, now they're bringing, because of course, you know, it's King's Landing, so now they are trying to bring up Dragonstone, and so it just reminds you of all the things that happen in Game of Thrones, especially with this piece of garbage. This is Game of Thrones Season 8. Why do I have it? Because it was sent to me. Shout out to Jay Stowe, who sent me a giant box of movies, Blu-rays, DVDs, 4Ks, etc., and included the entire series of Game of Thrones on DVD. But you know what? I'm kind of happy to have this as a reference, because this right here is the reason why House of the Dragon is so difficult to actually really fall in love with. And even though YouTube has been, of course, because the algorithm, has been recommending to me, like, some old clips, Hey, remember Game of Thrones? Remember how good it was? I remember... And it's reminded me of some pretty great scenes, some pretty great lines from Tyrion, who used to be one of my favorite characters, all that stuff. Even after enjoying it for just those brief moments, all I could think about is, wait a minute, I know exactly where this leads, I know where this goes, and it's it's amazing how, in one season, and especially in just a few episodes, Benioff and Weiss were able to completely destroy this franchise. A franchise that had been built up for years a franchise that had gained such a massive following. And yes, we could talk about how we could see the writing on the wall, that there was some fall-off going on in the previous seasons. I can understand that. But when it comes to it being so blatantly obvious that even like the normies were able to start figuring things out, season eight is that. You know, especially the last episode, you're like, oh my goodness, this is where it all went. This is what this is the connection they tried to make. When even my wife, who is about as normie as it gets when it comes to this kinds of stuff, even when she was just like, wait, what? Even when she starts laughing at the ridiculousness of what was going on, and when I said, hey, do you have any interest in watching House of Dragon? I have to watch it for Friday Night Tights anyway, so you, you know what? Do you want to watch it with me? And she's like, nope. <laughs> that, that, that tells me all that I really need to know. But anyway, we do have this new episode of House of the Dragon, The Rogue Prince, as it is called from this past weekend. And uh, yeah, overall, it's it was it was fine. So interestingly enough, according to Wikipedia, and this is getting their Showbuzz Dailies is where they are getting this information from. The opening of the show, the premiere got 2.17 
millions of viewers, according to that statistic. This one got 2.26, and so their audience has actually gone up, which uh, I would say is probably a good sign for them. It indicates that they've held on to the people from the first week, and they've actually even added on to it. It almost seems like, in a certain respect, that you had the two the two million or so, and I think that there have been some stats that have come out to say that like the very end of the series was, what, 10 to 20 million or something like that, and that was, I think live again i don't know exactly how this specific place you know uh, this show buzz daily i don't know exactly what kind of metrics they're using um but it is kind of amazing where it almost seems that you lost so millions of people like not even exaggerating you lost millions of people because of the ending of season eight and it seems like you have just a few who are like okay i'll give this a chance and it turns out that it's not complete garbage. It's not great either, but it's not complete garbage. And so it's almost like, wait, okay, it's not complete garbage. And so some people are like, oh, I heard it's not that bad. Let me go ahead and watch it now. Let me go ahead and check it out. So it's like they're re- trying to rebuild it. But again, the problem's going to be is it's never going to be able to match what Game of Thrones you know, was able to originally build because th- they've lost that. They've lost that magic. And even throughout this episode, right, there are interesting characters. Like, for instance, there is Prince Admiral uh, Craghass. Craghass? <laughs> That's a name. Uh, Drahar. I don't think they pronounce it that way in the show. But known as the Crab Feeder. It's this guy whose claim to fame is he'll he'll destroy you on the waters, basically, and then he will uh, tie you down. He will nail you to, like, the wood that's in the the. <laughs> Like, you know how there's the water, uh, the water recedes, right? The tide and all that stuff. And then there's the, you know, left. So the leftover wood, he nails that to the, you know, to leftover wood from the ships that he's destroyed. And he nails people to that and lets crabs literally eat people. So he's the crab feeder. He feeds the crabs. Now, I can say that saying that out loud makes it sound really dumb. But in the show, it actually is a pretty interesting concept. Uh, you're like, dang, that's that's pretty harsh. I mean, I mean, it's it's pretty macabre in a lot of ways too. You're like, wait, you're getting crabs? Not the way I thought that I would ever fear to go. But, but after looking at those crabs going after those people, I'm like, dang, yeah, I wouldn't want to be eaten by crabs either. Also, those must be some hungry crabs. And how do you even get crabs to be that hungry in the first place? <laughs> Again, as I said, <laughs> it's creepy in the show. I think it's presented pretty well. However, when you say it out loud, it does make it sound that much more silly in, in many different ways. But you know what? I'll give it, you know, the guy has a pretty cool look. They At the very end of the episode, they show his face. And so you're like, oh, I kind of want to know more about this. And then immediately after, you're like, oh, that's interesting. You're like, oh, wait, that's right. No, actually, I, I, <laughs> I don't really care. Um, add to that that the show continues, this episode continues to push the same line. I mean, basically, this entire series seems to be based upon, and maybe someone who's read the book can say, yeah, that's what the book was as well. But it all seems to be hinging upon reminding us every, you know, 10 minutes or so, oh, don't forget that women during this time don't have power. Women during this time are only good for two things, being married off to kings, bearing children, dying in childbirth, like... Again, that continues on in this one. In this one, they even push it to that point where it's just uncomfortable. So they're trying to push the king to be able to to remarry. It's been six months since the death of his wife. And so they're trying to get him to remarry. You know, so basically six months has passed since the last episode. And they're trying to get him to remarry. And so one of the persons that they put forward is like a, a 12, yeah, it's a 12-year-old girl. And there's a sequence where they're walking together through the garden and they're talking to each other and stuff. And I'm like... What? And then they make reference, oh, well, you wouldn't have to bed the king until you were 14. And it's like, look, I understand 
that this may have been how things worked during the time frame that they're trying to emulate in this fantasy world, but it doesn't make it any less creepy. It doesn't make it, any, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm kind of glad that my natural reaction is to go, no, let's, let's, let's just not do that. Let's just not try to try to push that. And then you add on top of that, the fact that the King's daughter, who I believe in the show is established to being what, 15, 16 years old. So older than the girl that they're going to marry her off to. And again, I know that that was a thing. Um, But then also she has a really good friend in the show. And the father of, of her friend is is the hand of the king, and basically during the previous episode was like, "Hey, go comfort the king," kind of implying like to to be doing nefarious stuff, like really disgusting stuff. And you're like, "Wait a minute, but isn't this like the good friend of? How old is even she? Like, I'm pretty sure that she would also be like a child as well. So what in the world are you doing? Um, especially as the father, like what in the world? And so it all comes to a head in this episode. And I don't really mind spoiling much of anything. So if you don't want to hear any spoilers when it comes to house of dragon, you know, you can go ahead and just, you know, mute for the next minute or two, because that's about as long as I'll talk about it. But basically they're trying to uh, get the King to marry this 12 year old girl who happens to be the daughter of, um, was it Renera and Renera and Corliss. This basically, it was the queen who wasn't and her husband. Um, and basically trying to marry off to her daughter, uh, their daughter to him, because then that, of course that gives them a position of power. It's looking like that's probably going to happen. But then, Oh, man, spoiler, he actually announces that instead he wants to marry Alicent, who is the friend of his daughter, who is also likely still 16. So though that's not 12, it's still a child and also a good friend of of the daughter. And yeah, yeah, let's just say that there's a lot of nef- really weird and creepy things going on in this show. Um, at the very least, there there isn't the really unnecessary stupid nudity that was in the first episode. I can give it that kind of a positive to it. And as I said, I think the crab feeder in general is an interesting concept and now the pieces on the board are starting to to uh you know to move around and so there's some interest there's definitely some interest but with the shadow of season eight of game of thrones still around it and they also i think maybe they're just this not self-aware or maybe they're just too self-aware the opening credits guess what instead of creating a a unique series opening a, a you know unique uh you know score for this show they they basically have just regurgitated. So I thought I was hearing a lot of the Game of Thrones stuff in the last episode. Well, guess what? We finally have an opening sequence and it is the same exact opening song, which is great. It's epic. And I used to love it back in the day. And now there's a new new map and new, you know, visual effects for it because it's a different show. But it's like there to remind you, hey guys, remember this amazing theme? Remember how you used to get so pumped for this theme? Remember how this used to be like the one time you wouldn't press skip? on, you know, skip intro, because you just wanted to listen to that, remember that, guys, I remember, and it's like, yeah, and I also remember this, HBO, Ryan Condal, who's the, one of the showrunners on this, and so, yeah, it's an okay show, again, there's moments in there where I'm like, okay, this is interesting, but ultimately, it just seems like a waste of money, because you got some really cool looking CGI dragons, They, they actually look pretty cool, they're actually pretty well rendered, pretty well done, but ultimately you're like, man, this is just feels like it's being wasted on a on a B tier story. Like this is what it really feels like. It you know even with these cooler elements, even if I was able to put Game of Thrones season eight out of my mind, this t- to me still would be a B tier, like a B tier show, like a subpar show. 
You know, it's one of those shows where it's like, yeah, maybe you watch it, maybe you wait a couple episodes and then watch it later on, and you might enjoy it for the for the most part. But this is not going to be able to recapture that same magic. And again, I don't think there's ever a chance of them recapturing that same magic either. But anyway, those are my thoughts on the second episode. There's some good moments, interesting characters, the whole crab feeder thing. Okay. When, when you see it in the show, you're like, cool. And then when you say it out loud and describe it like I just did earlier, I was, yeah, it does sound a little silly when you say it out loud. Um, but yeah, those are my thoughts. What are y'all's thoughts? If you've seen it, we'll go ahead and get back into the YouTube chat. Soul Assassin, hail to you, YouTube me. It's morning where he is in the world. So YouTube me, thank you for being here. Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthington says, hi from the UK, having a week off decorating the home for winter. But Sleepy painted a bathroom today. Well, hey, congratulations. It's always fun on the days off to be able to, you know, be be actually productive. I don't know. There's something about being productive on a day off. I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoy myself a day off where I get to do nothing. But a day off where you're productive can also be nice. I tend to enjoy less so the physical stuff and more so the I, I like get to read a book or an article or get to start reading a book, something to that effect. Anyway. That's just my own take. John Wingster says, I remember when Odin did have hair. I feel old. I haven't been doing it that long, guys. J.S. Pena says, apologies. I was just curious because I thought you went bald. No, actually, I didn't. And again, I I think you can just tell the fact that, again, you, you can see literally on, on my head that I can clearly grow hair uh, because you got the five o'clock shadow thing going on on my head. But um, you can't see it from this angle. But basically, right up here, there's a light spot. And when it grows longer, it just doesn't look all that good. And hey, guess what? I I, I don't mind and I, I personally enjoy uh, the look as it is now. The R says, your bald head and beard is quite dwarven. And yet I'm still six feet tall. So I'm not a dwarf, but I could see why one would think so. Nathan Slay, the Black Phone is genuinely one of my favorite films of the year. I can totally understand why. It's definitely not my genre because it, it is much more thriller than horror which I appreciate because, as you all know, I'm not a big horror fan. I much prefer the the thriller aspect, especially the psychological thriller. But there are definitely some uh, supernatural elements to the movie that, to me, kind of took me by surprise. I didn't think it was going in that direction um, as much. Some people, I think, downplayed that aspect to the movie, and it actually is a pretty big part of it. Um, and that's the kind of stuff also I, I tend to stay away from in general. It's just not really something I, I tend to enjoy. Um, but I think it was actually really well handled in, in this movie. And I'll give more thoughts about the movie uh, in just a second. Let's see. One commandment, hail to you. J-Roar, one, two, three, what's going on? Uh, let's see. Basil, what's going on? Hail to you. Bruce in the chat. Hail to you, Bruce. Chance says, bald is beautiful. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Black Phone is more of a thriller than supernatural horror like Sinister. Still, I really enjoyed it. I would call it a supernatural thriller, General Wingster. Because, again, I think anyone downplaying the supernatural element is not being honest. I'm just telling you right now. I'm not going to try to say too much about it. It has been out for a while. So I don't think we're in the you know spoiler protection zone that I like to keep on the channel when films first come out, um, typically. But, yeah. People who downplaying the supernatural aspect, I think, are are just not being very genuine. So, <laughs> input latency says, "I return a second chance to carve your skulls." Wait, I mean, hello again, peeps, and it is a good day. Jordan Wingster says, "What no minds? Let's devolve into anarchy." Yes, shout out to uh, Tina. Uh, Tina is 
not feeling all that well. Again, uh, please keep her in your prayers for her uh, shoulder, for her recovery. Um, we don't know exactly what's going on and, you know, hopefully she doesn't need surgery and, you know, ultimately whatever, whatever she needs, I hope that she's able to get the help to alleviate whatever uh, pain that she's feeling, but she's going to take the night off just to be able to try and rest that a little bit. She's also been, that's probably why you've noticed she's been more quiet on the discord today as well. Um, and then of course it is Tuesday. That means Stephanie B comes in a little bit late because she's got real work and Hey, you all know my policy, you got family, you got work, you got other things, priorities and Again, I totally respect that because I use the same in my own life. Let's see. Who else we got in here? We got G-Man. Hail to you. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. All roads lead to season eight. That is absolutely true. Hardwick says here, we now live in a time when an elderly 1980s action star can make a better superhero movie than Marvel or DC. Um, if you're talking again, not really, not really on points or, or, or on task, Hardwick, just coming in just with your own thoughts here. Um, I'm assuming that you're talking about the film Samaritan. Um, I, I will say that though Samaritan has some things that are enjoyable, it, it's definitely not a, a great film. So I wouldn't go really that far with it necessarily. <laughs> I will say that it's better than than a lot of what's been coming out more recently, but I wouldn't say it's uh, it's on par with some of the better films from from big Hollywood. Nathan Slate Tag say best character of the Black Phone is by far the sister. She honestly stole the show and had some of the movie's best lines. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Egg over on Honesty says Ghost Town on Honesty. Sorry, probably because the weather's too nice everywhere. Better get Thor onto that. Well, baby Thor is still down in Florida with the mama. They're visiting family. They'll be back up tomorrow. We're starting to drive back up tomorrow. So please keep them in your prayers as they travel tomorrow. Um, but uh, but yeah. Thank you, Egg, for hanging out over on on Odyssey, hanging and keeping and holding down holding down the fort. That's what I was looking for, holding down the fort. Yeah, absolutely. I do think that there are some pretty great lines from the sister in the black phone, no doubt about it. And yeah, I'll give more of my thoughts about that in a, in a second. Orange Reviews, who is a member, says House of Dragon sounds like is something uh, sounds like it is something awesome, but it is game it is Game of Thrones which I have more interest in. The last season of Game of Thrones really turned me off with some choices they made. And I would say at this point, I don't think this show, if you've already been like, yeah, I'm not going to jump into House of Dragon until maybe after the first season, I don't think there's enough there right now to justify jumping into this show. I'm just going to be honest. Again, there's some interesting characters, like the character of Damon, I think is interesting. Um, I think that Matt Smith does a great job with it. I still think that the young actress that's playing the, the young princess um, an heir to the uh, to the crown is just very green as an actress and just RBF, if you know what I mean. It just, uh, just it doesn't <sighs> again, I feel bad because she's young and she's green and that's just kind of the standard with it. But when the best friend character is a better actor than you, it's just like, OK, then why didn't you just cast that actress instead you think that the main actress or the main yeah, the main actress of one of the main characters, you would want to have some range, and whether that be a green actress or a established younger actress or not, it, again, it doesn't bode well when you have two people who are similar ages and one's being outacted by a smaller character. Just not a good sign. Not a good sign. Uh, the R says, "I still love Odyssey, but too many buds on YouTube." Exactly. Yeah. Again, that's why I say, hey. 
it's there. It's available. Odyssey is available for those that want it. Odyssey does have its issues, which is why many people choose not to go over there. And again, Odyssey needs to fix that. They need to be able to address that. They need to be able to make it a lot easier to to uh, transition over. Um, but uh, but yeah. General Winkster says, "Hey, what do Maverick and a beautiful woman have in common? They have four. They have legs for days. I see what you did there, General Winkster. Crab tastes delicious," says J.S. Peña. I don't know. These these crabs are kind of sinister. The crabs in House of the Dragon. They they seem kind of sinister. Something tells me that they would they would not have a very nice taste to them. Alejandro says, "I honestly blame G- George R. R. Martin more than the showrunners. The guy had over ten years to finish two books. Sad. Well, that's just the thing, though, is that." It's it's really, I, I really can't even say that to take away blame from the showrunners necessarily because George R. R. Martin is one of the showrunners. Remember, he he is one of the creators of this show, um, and, and so he is one that has much more power. At least it seems on paper, at least much more power than he he had on Game of Thrones. So um, it is interesting to say to say the least how things are playing out the way that they are. But no, I would say that they're all again. I think Ryan Condal's doing a good adaptation. I haven't read the source material, so I can't say for sure. But based from what Gary has said, I think he's actually read the the, the book that House of Dragons based off of. And I think he said like the book was like just okay. It wasn't anything special. But no, I think that George R. R. Martin's still worth calling out. I mean, the fact that George R. R. Martin has been able to put forward so many different creative projects and yet leaves one of the biggest projects kind of in the dust makes you kind of wonder also how much of this is just laziness on his part how much of it is that he's still waiting for you know the (laughs) negativity surrounding this to fade which hey george it ain't going anywhere uh even this show even though it's bringing maybe some people back it's not going to be able enough for us to forget about this i think kind of that might be a part of it too i wouldn't be surprised if it was part of it where i wouldn't be surprised if he was holding off because he wants people maybe to forget about it enough to then just randomly release it and uh, maybe change the story or, you know, double down on the story or something to that effect. Who knows? But, <laughs> yeah. he He's a bit of a putz in a lot of ways. All right, let's see. Cordelia Schultz says, Episode 2 is really weird, especially with the king looking at children to carry his children. Yes, it does, Cordelia Schultz. And, um... Yeah, it's not a good look for Hollywood either. Again, when you remember the creepiness that's been much more revealed over the past several years, more recently, about just how creepy Hollywood truly is, it's not a good look when you have your stories reflecting that same reality. And again, you can try to hide behind the, well, that's how it was like during this time in history that we have created as a fantasy world. It's like, yes, historically you could make that point, doesn't mean that you have to be telling that story and doesn't mean that you have to be following the same rules of a time frame that existed in time when you're creating a fantasy show, which could then literally go in any direction in any other direction that you wish it to go. I don't know. Just a thought. Michael Hill, who is a member, says, I just recently started watching Game of Thrones and now up to season six. I really like it, but I'm afraid to go further. Yeah, man, be very afraid. Every season, every episode, you get closer to season eight. Uh, Man, yeah. Uh, the more concerned that you should be. Scott McKenzie, what is going on? Thanks for being here. Chen Lee in the chat, what's going on? Scott McKenzie, dropping one of the emotes in there. Thank you. Clevis McDonald, what's going on? Of course, I like cheese with that. A royale with cheese, maybe? Or are you talking about the crab? Uh, but Odin, women can't... (laughs) 
Women can't even make sandwiches right anymore, says General Wingster. No, 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 no. They don't even make sandwiches anymore. You got to get it right, bro. Can't have a good sandwich if it's not made in the first place. That's okay. I can make my own sandwiches. And they are delicious. Hold up. I have a coupon, says Cleafus McDonald. Oh, do you now? Do you have a coupon? What do you have a coupon for, sir? What do you think this is? Some kind of shop or something? General Wingster says, I got my meat lovers at the ready, sir. Ah, enjoying the pizza tonight. Good on you. I had some, uh, so the wife had done the uh, the slow cook, what is it called? The crock pot pork. And so we had some some of that with the, well, she had made it before leaving. So it was just like, a again, ton of pork, ton of uh, pulled pork. It was delicious. And one of the best things you can do is mix it in with some mac and cheese Basically, it's a piggy mac. It's one of our local restaurants that does this. Um, they call it a piggy mac, and so we just call it that too. Oh, it's delightful. Put a little Tony's, a little, little, little Tony's actress on there. Oh, it's delightful. It's delicious. So that's what I had for dinner, and I, I'm quite happy with my decision. And then also I made some homemade eggless cookie dough, meaning that it's made simply to be eaten as cookie dough. And so I had a little bit of that after as well. And it was delightful. Uh, Curly Schultz says, my girl mentioned the same thing. They should get a different theme. Exactly. And they have the same composer and the composer has done other things. I mean, the composer had also, I believe he also did the theme to um, Westworld. And that theme was also pretty good. It was pretty solid theme. Not as rememberable as Game of Thrones. Not, not as you know. Um, you know, I could, I skip, I could skip that one from time to time when I did watch the show, before it kind of went off the rails a bit. Um, the first season, at the very least, is interesting enough. Westworld. Um, and so we know that he has the capacity to do other things. And so, yeah, the fact that they bring him back on, and then they have the same theme with just different graphics, and then throughout the entire series, it's just going to be, I guess, reiterate. I guess it's a, maybe a way of saving money. But if you're going to save money, maybe maybe cut back on the dragons and spend more money on, on the story, I guess. Maybe. Miss Minnesota hockey fan, how about a hockey play? What's going on? Jess Pena says, Book of Boba Fett was a mess, but at least it had a different theme. True. Whether you like that theme or not, at least it had a different theme. Uh, even my wife, it, it was playing randomly the other day because, you know, Baby Thor, he loves listening to, to like OG Star Wars, John Williams Star Wars. And um, it started playing the it started it was like on autoplay or something, and so it started randomly playing the Mandalorian theme song or something, and it was like either the theme song or the the end credit song, and immediately my wife was just like, "Yep," and now not John Williams, and it's like, "Yeah, you know, you you know you know it's real." Alejandro says, uh, "Read the books, and whilst you read the books, obviously reference women don't inherit, but I disagree with your point about the age gap. It's kind of meant." meant to look uncomfortable book canon again i understand that it's an adaptation but that doesn't mean that i have to like it and or uh endorse it as a storytelling point i i think that it's something that in stories makes me it just makes me again it's i'm glad that my natural reaction is being creeped out but then in modern day hollywood i also have to think to myself okay why is George R. R. Martin having this type of st- stuff in his books? Again, obviously, I'm not trying to say anything about him specifically, but I think now more than ever, we're just a lot more sensitive to this kind of stuff, and for good reason, because Hollywood has shown itself to actually be a part of and be supportive of and protective of people that 
have either done things that have been awful to children or have been alleged to have done terrible things to children. And so, yeah, I think that we have a right absolutely to look at these things now and say, okay, yeah, maybe you don't have to necessarily tell that part of the story. Maybe you could possibly adapt things a little bit more, you know? It is called an adaptation after all. Uh, JJK by 76 says, Good evening all, I had never watched Game of Thrones. After what happened, I won't be watching this new show. Not shall I watch Amazon's Rings of Power. Yes, that is coming out in just a couple of days, people. It's insane to think that that show. I think it's the first two episodes coming out on September 1st at, what, 9 p.m. or something like that. Unfortunately, I'll have to watch it for, for uh, Friday Night Tights, but uh, I will <laughs> I will watch it so that you don't have to. Uh, can only Sasquatch. What's up, dude? Says, what's up, buddy? I'm on the fence about starting House of Dragons. Aren't you excited for Rings of Power? God help us. Yeah, uh, God help us is, is absolutely the truth there. I'm excited for it to start just so that it can end. My hope is that, okay, it has a big opening. I'm not denying that. I think that it's, I think that it's opening uh, weekend. It's opening night. It's going to be huge. It's just going to be huge. Again, it's just, it's got that. It's got that name recognition. It's got that anticipation. Not necessarily good anticipation, by the way. There might be some out there who are crazy who have that good anticipation for the show. But I would say that there's also probably a lot of uh, negative um, anticipation. Much more palatable negative anticipation. People who want to watch the show to see kind of how much of a train wreck it's going gonna, it's gonna to be. So I think that the first episode, especially in the first couple episodes, are going to be quite successful as far as numbers are concerned. What I'm interested in is what that week one and week two drop-off is going to be. Especially if, if the first episodes are as what has been indicated, that basically it's just a giant bore because it's all plot set up. Do you keep people or not? I don't know. So that's going to be interesting, to say the least. Jess Pena says, speaking of thriller, have you seen Searching with John Cho? Yes, I have. Uh, John, uh, Search, Searching was actually a very underrated film. It was very unique. The entire film was done through, basically through webcams. So it was done through uh, like Skype, and, and I think that they may have used FaceTime, things like that. But it was very unique because that was the entire movie. The entire movie was done through through that. And so the whole mystery is unfolding through the conversations that are being had over these. Um, however, however, Deborah Messing's in the movie, and Deborah Messing basically ruins the film because she can't act. So I, I think that uh, John Cho, I think that he did a great job. I thought that he was great. I thought that he showed himself to be a very, you know, versatile actor, can do comedy and drama. But Deborah Messing can't. Deborah Messing is cringe. And I think that the crazier she's gotten in real life, I think that it's actually affected her, you know, whatever acting chop she may have had. I think it's affected that in a lot of ways because it was very, very, very cringe in that way. So, again, Searching was very interesting. And I like the story, the way that it played out. I like the the way in which it was it was shot, the way in which that it was presented, the production design for it. But Deborah Messing, to me, kind of ruins it. So I, I never have a desire to go back and watch it because of that very fact. Uh, Laura says, going to watch at two times speed to catch up. Good luck with that, Laura. You know what can happen when listening to me at two times speed when I say certain things. Scott McKenzie says, agreed on House of the Dragon. Cannot recapture Game of Thrones excellence. Rewatching at the end of season two. It's so good pretending that eight didn't happen. New show. Okay, yeah, the new show's again, it's fine, but it's it's ultimately forgettable at this point, you know? And they're just never going to be able to have, I mean, again, you're not going to have those moments Right, that basically broke the world because one, you don't have the numbers, and two, 
you've you've lost the good faith to be able to create create that kind of potential in the future. Low Watermark, thank you for the $25 donation via Streamlabs. Thank you, Low Watermark. I always appreciate your, your love and support. He says, Hail Odin. Low Watermark, thank you so much, man. Appreciate that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, let's see. Laura says, finished Honey Boy today. Very difficult movie to watch, but it has a lot to say about how difficult it is to be more successful than your parents. Yeah, um, it's a film that I've I've always wanted to watch, but because I knew it would likely be difficult to watch, it's one of those, excuse me, it's one of those movies I, I just know I got to be in the right state of mind, the right frame of mind uh, in order to be able to actually watch it. So, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that it is, it's based on that, difficult to watch, but seems to be a pretty well done, well made movie. And also, um, listening to the interview that Shia LaBeouf did recently with Bishop Barron, talking about his new film, Padre Pio, his own conversion to Catholicism and, and the road that he had to take. He at one point brings up Honey Boy, and he brings up something interesting that um, he tried to get a song from, uh, I forget which band or which artist it was, but he tried to get a song from one of the persons, and he was saying, hey, we don't have a lot of money, um, but we'd like to be able to use this song, and he wanted to you know, still pay something for it, and then the guy asked for like an insane amount of money, and then he asked like Bob Dylan for a song, and Bob Dylan gives it to him for free to use in the movie, and I'm like... That's kind of cool. So there's a lot of reasons be, like behind the scenes stuff that actually would make me a lot more intrigued to, again, the fact that it's somewhat uh, semi-autobiographical or se- semi-biographical in the you know presentation of the life of Shia LaBeouf. The fact that Shia LaBeouf has, has had one of the most, in- again, whether you love him or hate him, he's had, there's no way you can deny he's had one of the most interesting career paths of anybody you look at the movie choices, you look at just the career choices, you look at, you know, how he's gone from just complete insanity to being almost so sane to the point of it being just uh, like ice cold, like just splash of cold water in your face. You're just listening to him speak and saying, dang, that's about as cold, stone, sober as you can get. So, um, but yeah, glad to hear Honey Boy is 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 interesting. Uh, Forever Sci-Fi, what is going on? Hardwick says... My point wasn't that Samaritan is better than Marvel or DC in years past. I meant specifically MCU this year. Okay, again, that's fine. It's just no relevancy to what we were talking about earlier. Scar, what's going on? Tag to say, hey, if you had a gun pointed at you and you were forced to get 50, bet 50 bucks on what will end up being the highest grossing movie of 2022 worldwide, where would you put that money? Oh, man, Scar. Um, So I think worldwide, probably... And by the way, just for the record, I don't want this to happen. This would not make me happy if it were to happen, but I would have to say Avatar. I think that you would have to say Avatar at this point in time because, I mean, ultimately, you you, kind of have to look at the fact that the first film, you know, how much money it made. And you look at, sorry, I'm trying to pull up to see. Uh, it was 2022 in film. So I'm trying to see what the highest grossing films. So right now you got Top Gun Maverick is the number one highest grossing film with $1.4 billion. Jurassic World Dominion at 990. Doctor Strange at 955. Minions, number four at 869. The Batman at 770. Thor Love and Thunder at 747. Um, let's see. Then you have a, a Chinese film. 
Moon Man, which might be another Chinese film. And then Fantastic Beast, oddly enough, number nine at 405, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 at 404. So if I had to guess, I would say as much as I would love Top Gun Maverick to keep the number one spot at $1.4 billion, um, I just I think Avatar, unfortunately, is going to is going to have a massive opening weekend. And if it's as bad as the first film, then I think it's going to have some pretty massive drop offs. But if it turns out to be a decent film or a half decent film or anything to that effect, you, you could see the film doing much better than you know, than even what is being expected for it. I'm trying to see if there's any other films that could possibly even go up against Avatar at this point, because as I've mentioned in previous videos, there isn't a whole lot of stuff coming out. So you have not until mid-October, where you have the next major film release coming out in Black Adam. I think Black Adam will probably do well because it's an action film, comic book film with Dwayne The Rock Johnson in it. So... It has the potential to get anywhere between 700 million, 700 million and a billion. That's where I would currently put my range if I had to guess on Black Adam. 700 to a billion. 700 million to a billion dollars. See, after that, let me see what else you have as far as major films. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? They're making an, an, an Enola Holmes too. Remember Enola Holmes with Millie Bobby Brown and Henry Cavill? They're making a sequel. Didn't even know. Haven't even seen the first one. Uh, you got Black, Pan- Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I think that's going to do gangbusters domestically. I don't think it's going to do as much internationally. Because really we've seen a lot of these films not perform as well internationally. As far as the, the comic book type movies. Just not up to the same standard that that you know in previous years it's been. Well, it's been a pandemic. Oh, well then explain the 700 plus million dollars that has been made by Top Gun Maverick. Oh, that's right. You can't. So shut your mouth. Uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Again, I think domestically it could make it a film that gets into that same territory. Uh, the 700 to maybe 850 million is where I'd put that movie at this point in time. Um, so I don't think it would make as much as the Avatar film, unfortunately. Again, I don't want Avatar to do well at all. Not that I want any of these films to do well, but I try to be as straightforward as I can. Yeah, after that, for Avatar, you got... Puss in Boots, that's not going to do it. Matilda, that ain't going to do it, especially with Lashana Lynch in the movie. Oh, my goodness. That's right. I forgot. I forgot that they were doing another. Oh, what? Um, You then have Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Ryan Johnson is back, everybody, with Daniel Craig, Edward Norton, Janelle Monae, who gives the same performance in everything she's ever done. Catherine Hahn, who I actually do like. Leslie Odom Jr., who is a very talented actor, and a bunch of other people. Dave Batista, oh man, Knives Out. Now, I will say this much. Remember, Knives Out, the first one, was a uh, box office sensation. It had some of the greatest legs out there. It well exceeded the projections that I had for it. But as you can see, there really isn't a whole lot of stuff coming out. So if I had to guess what is, you know, basically the rest of the year, you've got Avatar, you've got um, Wakanda Forever, and Black Adam. Those are the three next films that have a chance to make a billion dollars. Theoretically. Again, theoretically have a chance to make a billion dollars. Now, do any of them get to 1.4, 1.5 billion in top, you know, beat Top Gun Maverick? It could happen. There's a theory, right? The- theoretically is possible. Of those three films, which is the more likely to do it? I would have to go with Avatar just because of the first film and how successful it was. I don't want it to, but hey. It is what it is. So hopefully that has answered 
that question. Anyway, let's see. Scott McKenzie says, okay, or middling shows or movies that lack the message, intersectionality, postmodern identity politics, now look good or great relatively. Yeah, again, maybe they look great relatively, but we have to be very careful because this is something that I always tried to avoid, right? I remember I got into a lot, there was a lot of flack around this and my thoughts about the Tomorrow War, right? People were like, oh, it's so great because it's not woke. No, 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 no. Really, we really can't let that be the standard that we set, Because we can't just say, yes, I will take mediocre garbage or mediocre decent um, as long as it's not woke. No, we should demand greatness. Top Gun Maverick, great example. That's what we should be demanding from Hollywood. Oh, no, no. You have to literally go out of your way to entertain me to the point where your actors are going into jets, feeling and experiencing the G-forces. You have to be using these practical effects, doing insane things that have almost probably never been done as far as cinematography are concerned, and then give us an entertaining story to boot, that's what you have to do to get our money. That's the standard that we should set. That is what we should be supporting. Not films and shows because, oh, well, they're not woke. We sh- Again, we- I think we need to get away from that standard. Again, you could say relatively it's better, but still talking about decent or crap shows. Uh, Daniel Thorne over on... D-Live, what is going on? Tad to say, I'm having a pizza with spinach and extra cheese. Thoughts on eggplant on pizza? I don't really like the veggies on the pizza. Again, I can understand them for some people, but for me, I'm a simple dude. I'm a simple guy. I like me some cheese pizza, plain, some pepperoni, some triple pepperoni, some quadruple pepperoni, ultimate pepperoni, and then maybe a combination of pepperoni sausage. That, that's about it for me. Maybe bacon, uh, maybe some barbecue chicken, the meats. Usually, I'm, I'm pretty good with, but that's about it. And then, oh, he also says, with Saturday being cinema day and every movie being $3 for all formats, will that impact the box office? Not in a noticeable way, I would say. This weekend was already expected to be a very low-grossing weekend, so I'm sure that they will try to use that as an excuse to explain why the box office is low, but ultimately, I think that the box office will still probably do, um, again, as poorly as they're already projecting to do. When you have, again, this is not dissing uh, Jaws by any means, but when Jaws, a film that came out almost 50 years ago, is in contention for being a top five movie at the box office, when Spider-Man No Way Home, once we finally get the projections for for that movie, once if Spider-Man No Way Home ends up being projected to be the number one you know, movie, potentially, maybe, at the box office... Um, again, crazy, but yeah, uh, this is, uh, on box office pro national cinema day, bring $3 tickets to us movie theaters on September 3rd, every movie across all formats at any showtime will be available for $3 at participating theaters. That's a big key there because I'm sure not all theaters will participate. It also could theoretically increase the box office. So we're already projecting a low box office weekend, but it could increase it because even though the tickets are cheaper, if you are bringing out a larger volume of people because they're like, oh, it's a holiday weekend and there's some films that I want to watch and, hey, I'll go see a movie in IMAX for three bucks. Guess what? You end up making more money in the long run. So, yeah. It could go either way there. It could really go either way. All right. Let's see. Chad has jumped on me like it always does. J.K. Buck says, Top Gun 2 was great. Kudos to Cruz and the writers for naming Goose's son Rooster and not that other name used to describe an adult male chicken. Yes, very, very true. However, J.K. Buck, shame on you. 
because you didn't see it in IMAX. <laughs> John Evan Bear. Hello there. I just bought Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, uh, Turtles The Kawabunga Collection for Xbox Series S. I'm not much of an Xbox. Uh, I'm not one. I'm not much of a Teenage Mutant, Tur- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game person nor a gamer. So, but hey, if it makes you happy. Let's see. Scott McKenzie, agree on LaBeouf and hope there is genuine transformation change and that sticks. I agree. Definitely praying for him, uh, hoping that the, it's a true conversion of hearts. Uh, the fact that he's talking to people like Mel Gibson makes me think that it is likely legit um, because you have people like Mel who's gone through a lot. Hopefully Jim Caviezel reaches out to him as well just to go through about, hey, you you know, obviously you've shared the story and you've shared what you've gone through. Just be ready for your career to never be the same after after this movie. Let's see. Nate Slay says, Honestly, I see the box office success of the Black Phone as a big win for modestly low-budget films. Shows that people will go see a modestly-priced film if you do a good job with it. Well, again, exactly. I mean, that's something that that you know we've been saying for a long time is, is the word of mouth on a film is usually um, the make or break, especially for some of these films that not only have low budgets, but even the, the moderate budgets, like the 40 to 60 millions. Sometimes, you know, word of mouth makes or breaks those movies. I know that's kind of a standard for most films, but there's some films that by their nature, even if they have terrible word of mouth, we have films like Doctor Strange 2, Thor Love and Thunder. Their word of mouth was not very good on those films, and yet they were still able to make their money back and to make profit to boot. So, again, word of mouth doesn't always be, is not always the determining factor for everything. But no, I think that absolutely it was the case for... The Black Phone. I guess I'll go ahead and give my thoughts about The Black Phone now since the comment has been mentioned. So I just actually, before the stream started, was able to finally watch The Black Phone. I had some extra money on a gift card and was able to to use that to, to get it digitally. I don't like digital. I like to, I prefer to, you know, get the physical media and everything. But I was like, I really want to see this film. I, I don't know if the physical media is available yet. It might be, it might not be. So, you know, I was like, you know what? I kind of want to watch a newer film that I haven't seen before. This is one that's been catching my eye. A lot of people have been recommending it, so I might as well check it out. So I finally did, and I can say The Black Phone is fantastic. It is a fantastic movie. It is a great thriller. Ethan Hawke is the, uh, the antagonist in the film, and he plays such a great creep in every single way. Uh, from, you know, it's it basically it's the story about... A, a, a kidnapper about, you know, in the film, they refer to him as a grabber, right? He is a kidnapper and you, you find out over the course of the film, right? That there's been a series of kids that have been kidnapped. You find out kind of the, like the, the events of what happened to the kids and you follow the story of this one kid who is now actively trapped. So again, it's not really a new story. This is something that we've seen before. Even in the last several years, we've seen you know these types of kidnapping stories uh, play out in certain fashions. But this one is interesting because it does play into and does have certain supernatural tones and elements to it. And so I guess I'll go ahead and give this to me, I guess would be a spoiler for some people. You might find this in a plot synopsis, so if you want to go in completely blind to this film, I would say you might want to skip the next minute or so of the show. But basically, the black phone itself, the name, why is the movie called The Black Phone? Well, in this room where this kid is being held, kidnapped, 
by this this very creepy Ethan Hawke. There is this black phone. At one point in time, he hears it ring, and he picks it up, and he doesn't hear anything on the other side. And Ethan Hawke kind of freaks out a little bit by saying, like, you know, put the phone down. It hasn't worked in years, etc. But then it starts ringing. And throughout the course of the film, as he picks it up, he starts being able to talk to dead people. And so he finds out, ah, so the kids who have been kidnapped before have all been killed. They've all tried to escape. And basically, all of the kids give him um, as far as they got. So they say, hey, I was able to do this and this. Go check it out here. Go check it out here. And so that's why it's called the Black Phone. Um, again. And so because of that, there is this supernatural element to the movie. And it's one of those things that sometimes for me is a little too much because I tend to try to avoid and stay away from anything that has a supernatural tone to it. But the way that it was handled in this film, I think, was actually very um, very tempered and was was done very methodically. Because instead of relying on really creepy jump scares, instead of relying on really creepy imagery, instead they rely a lot more on just the mindset of what this kid is going through, about what the kid is figuring out as the events of the film unfold, and how he is being impacted by that, and 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 how he is processing it. So basically, you as the audience are processing what this kid is going through as the kid himself on screen is going through it. And, and by the way, the, the lead kid in the film, fantastic job, solid acting, and again, solid acting all around. Um, I think it was Nathan Slay had said best, you know, one of the favorite parts for him was the young girl who plays uh, the sister of, of the guy, you know, the sister of the kid who's kidnapped in the film. And yeah, she's also really, really great too. And then also though, part of her character as awesome as it is, there's also some, again, things in there that again, d- definitely, you know, borders on the supernatural. You find out a little bit of history about her, uh, about her and, you know, basically their mom, right? The kid's mom. Cause the dad kind of reveals certain facts about them and, tries to explain and justify some of the really bad things that he's done, which, of course, it's it's not justifiable at all. And there's some, I guess there's kind of a redemption arc throughout the course of the film uh, for him in certain ways, too. But as the younger sister in the movie plays her role, there's a lot of usage of Christian imagery. So there's this dollhouse, and within the dollhouse, she's got a cross. She's got a depiction of... Um, it looks like one of the, it looks like the Sacred Heart of Mary, um, or the the Immaculate Heart of Mary prayer card, and then there's the the little. It's interesting because it was hard for me to kind of tell exactly what this was because it looked like it was a mixture of both Catholic and Protestant stuff because there was a rosary, there was, but then there was also this the pocket New Testament, and if you know anything about Christianity, you should know what I'm talking about. It's where it's the New Testament and the Psalms, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, those are almost always typically. Uh, just Protestant translations of, of of the scriptures. So, again, it was a mixture of denominations there, which is a little confusing, but it was the attempted to use that to try to bring about some of the supernatural. And so that's, for me, where it kind of, again, almost, almost got to the point of losing me. But luckily, it didn't delve too far down that road. It was able to stay on pace, on target, in a very nicely paced hour 35 hour 45 minute movie and ultimately provide a fun thrill ride experience and so if you like psychological thrillers um if you like mysteries in a certain way as well because this definitely i would say is a mystery that unfolds um as well then i think that you would thoroughly enjoy this movie and i would definitely recommend it so the black phone i think that my initial rating just having finished it uh a while ago i'll I'll give it an a minus 
definitely definitely up there for sure as one of my favorite films of the year which is not what I thought I thought I would enjoy the movie I didn't think that I would enjoy the movie as much as I did like as soon as I started watching it from almost the very beginning I wanted to go get some popcorn and be like oh man all right I'm in this is this is fun and then as the course of the film you know progresses and develops you're like oh okay this is getting interesting here um, yes, absolutely, Laura. Yes, so there is this element of of emotional verbal. Yeah, absolutely. That stuff definitely. Uh, good warning about that for anyone who might have anything in their own past or, or just is ever uncomfortable with that stuff. That is in that is present in the movie and in the very beginning, especially with the dad. Yes, absolutely agree that it is creepy as all get out. Um, and that might be you know up there as, so, as far as some of the most disturbing parts of the movie. Um, but again. It is interesting to see, though, the reasoning again, the messed up reasoning, because that's that's a that's something to me that is the sign of a well-crafted screenplay um, of a well-thought-out story is that you start off with such a horrible thing, you know, in the beginning with with the events and, and the actions of this dad, especially against his daughter. Right. Just, you know, just with physical abuse. And you then get to the point where in his, you know, because he's he's drunken, he's he's drunk, he's clearly dealing with in a very unhealthy evil way the the loss of his wife but in doing so he, he's letting all of this anger and all of this frustration out on his kids which is just awful but then at the same time you're looking at what he knows about their mom and how the daughter especially is showing a lot of connections to what the mom had and how in his twisted mind I, I, I like when films are able to do that where they're able to not not get you on the person's side by any means, because the whole time you're like, nah, this this guy is is a creep. This guy, you know, this is just even just the dad. We're not even talking about Ethan Hawke here. We're talking about the dad. And he, um, you know, but the fact that they're able to make you think, okay, I could at least see why in a drunken, twisted mind that that type of personality could try to justify an action. And that's why kind of the 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 end of the film where there's that 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 almost catharsis of of the almost the recognition of the evil that that has been done you know i think that that was something that was also a pretty powerful moment as well because even the kids you can tell they're like they're like both accepting but then also not because again it was a terrible thing that this guy did and so I think that's very real in that way right it's not a oh i'm so sorry and dad thank you for so much for you know I think it's done in a way where it's it's much more, and I hate to use this word as much as I do sometimes, but it's much more nuanced, and I definitely appreciate it because of that. Uh, let's see. Jiggity Buck says, Did Chaya ask for forgiveness for being in Indiana and the <laughs> and the kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Uh, maybe he did, for all we know. Sherry Allen says, According to Drug 3PO, was saying that he was enjoying House of Dragon as it starts out strong, but he's not going fully invested in as he knows where it leads to season eight, which he doesn't like. Exactly. And I think that that's going to be kind of the power for the course as we continue to go through the show. Uh, Laura says, Sailor stuffed crabs. Ah, of course. <laughs> Actually, yes. Um, in a way, you could say it's stuffed stuffed sailor with crabs. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of the way to say it because I, I know exactly what you're saying. And it's like, how does one say that? You say stuffed crab normally, but stuffed sailor, but they're stuffed with crabs. So <laughs> they've become a crab in a certain way. See, Harwick says, in a similar vein to your talk on social media, how much live stream watching do you think is healthy? 
keeping up with some people's live streams is starting to get time consuming. Um, every person's different. I could tell you right now, I'm going to be honest. I don't watch a lot of the channels that I'm friends with. I'm just honest, especially live streams. Um, and, and the reason why is because of time. Time is one of the most precious things that we have. And so that's why I always say, you know, whether you have donated or whether you have liked, whatever it is you've done, even if you've just watched the video, I know how much of a sacrifice that is. It may not sound or seem like one, but it is. Again, you, you are giving up your time to just chill and talk with me, you know? And so that, that's still a concept that, that for me, you know, I, I know that I myself have, have had these thoughts as well where, you know, how much is just too much and, you know, I want to support as many people as I can, but then I also basically ask yourself, am I having fun with this or am I not? Because I've said this about YouTube. If the day comes where I stop having fun, where it's just like it's a it's a bore, it feels like a chore, it feels like a second job, then I'm done. I do this because it's fun. I do this because I love the conversations that we have. The fact that I'm talking to anybody at all, let alone at one point I think we were up to 60 people, the fact that I'm talking to anybody and that anyone's even wanting to listen to me is insane to me. Like it's amazing. In that again, insane in that amazing kind of way, you know? And I love the conversations. I love the communities that we, the communities that we built. I love the Asgardian community, especially. Right, I feel like there's just so many good people, so many good hearted people. We've met so many people um, through this community as well. Um, but yeah, I I don't watch a lot of the other content, even of people that I would consider to be my friends, because I just don't have the time to actually commit to it. I I wish that I did. I wish that there were an unlimited amount of hours in the day. But yeah, so it's it's up to you. It's up to the individual person. How much time do you actually have and uh, are you having fun while you're watching it because if you are entertained and if you are enjoying having a fun discussion and just you know fun in general hey that sounds like something that is probably for the most part good and healthy to watch but if something starts to feel like a burden or if you're like oh i feel like i'm watching this just so that i can say i've caught up that might be the time where you say okay maybe i need to hold back a little bit you know Andrew Hayes, what's going on? Uh, Laura, who's a mod, the modern major general. I don't think I've done that tonight. Laura says, a sandwich always tastes better when someone else makes it. <laughs> Not always, because what if it's a poorly made sandwich? What if you're like me and you're picky and on the sandwich you ask for, um, even at a restaurant, right? You ask for a plain sandwich like I do, and then they put something on it, and then you have to scrape it off. And then the aftertaste of the mayo or whatever it is is there. It's still there. doesn't taste nearly as good. <laughs> so it depends. Asajj Moody says, so far, House of Dragon has my interest, but not my attention yet. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it, to be honest. Andrew Hayes, hello, sir. Has Top Gun Maverick made its exit at the box office yet? Nope. 14 weeks in, it's still top four. It was top three, and then when the actual numbers from this past weekend were adjusted, it dropped down to the top four. But it's going to be top five again this weekend, most likely, uh, for the for the holiday weekend. So it's going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting to see exactly where, um, you know, when the film actually stops making money. Because here's, here's the thing, guys. Right now, it's available on demand. You have to pay $20 for it, though. It's still available in almost 3,000 screens, well over 2,500 screens. And so that's still quite a lot for a film that's been out for 14 weeks. We have no date on when, last I checked, could be wrong, but last I checked, there was no date on when it's going to get on Paramount Plus, if it ever will. We 
likely won't get the physical media disc because I pre-ordered my 4K and the date that they're telling me is November 1st. So this film is likely going to be in theaters probably for... I wouldn't be surprised if it's in theaters for a good chunk of September because nothing's coming out in September for the most part. So, you know, why not keep it out there? Commenting is dangerous. OMG, I caught you live for once. Look at you. Thanks for being here. Andrew Hayes, you can't recapture the feeling everybody had at the Red Wedding. Now, I will say, because I know that there's book snobs out there that will say, well, if you read the books, it wouldn't have been nearly as surprising. Well, I can say, I didn't read the books, and I'm kind of happy I didn't because it meant I was able to enjoy the story for what it was, but then dive into the story later on into the books and say, oh, there's so much more here, and this is really interesting. That's always been my perspective on things. I I typically would rather watch the movie or show first, Because then normally what happens is, hey, let's say I enjoy the show, I go into the book, and then I enjoy the book even more because of all the extra added details. I usually don't have the same experience the other way around, because if you read the book first, you're almost asking for disappointment. Again, that's just how I work through it psychologically. You might have your own thing. But yeah, I remember I was watching it with my little brother. It used to be a thing where, you know, me and my little brother, whether we were in town at the same time or whether we could somehow, you know, sync up. Wherever we were, this is when like we were in you know college and different places. We would try to watch it around the same time so that we could talk about it after. And I remember we were watching it together when that happened, and both of us were like, "Oh my!" God. Like we, when the credits rolled, we were silent. They're never going to capture that again. You're never going to be because again, what blew up the next day? reactions to the Red Wedding, right? YouTube blew up with people posting the reactions, and I think a lot of them were completely authentic. And you had people freaking out. And if you look them up now, they would probably still be hilarious, but the fact that they've even lost even a, a slight amount of their hilarity or a slight amount of their heart or interest shows you just how far and how dark things have become since Season 8. The R says, a note to the peeps who say House of the Dragon can't match Game of Thrones, Deep Space Nine. Um, here's the here's the thing, though. It's not. I'm telling you right now, the show is very much, and apparently the book is this way, too, it's it's a B-tier. It's a sub-tier show. So, it's it's not going to be able to match it. I'm just telling you that right now. When you, when you look at the show and you say, okay, this is what it's based off of, this is what it's trying to get at, and then you have the first couple episodes which are setting the stage for the entire show, and you're saying, okay, there's definitely going to be things that they're setting up that could be interesting, but, I mean, the audience numbers, I think, kind of speak for themselves. So, I mean, I understand you can't, you know, never say never, I understand that, but um, I think that we have ourselves a very different situation here personally. Mark Lizeth, what's going on? Good sir. Says Shia LaBeouf admitted he lied about his dad being abusive for the Honey Boy storyline. Um, I didn't hear that part of it. I, I, th- I think the only thing I had heard was that he had exaggerated certain things. Again, I haven't seen Honey Boy either, so I didn't even know that that was a part of the story. J.D. Buck says, not going to lie, never heard of a black phone. Why well, would highly recommend it? Hardwick says, people have read the book, including Gary, say the reason House of Dragon can't stand on its own is it has a depressing nihilistic ending. And you're kind of already feeling that throughout the entirety of the show because you're like, yeah, I just don't really care at all about what's going on. So, Brian Barth, what's going on? Uh, Laura says, yeah, the Bob Dylan song is at the end. I've heard the relationship with his father wasn't accurate. There was no physical abuse, but the relationship was intense. Ah, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. There you go. Well, again, I think that 
you know, intense relationships, maybe if in the film it's presented as physical, I mean, sometimes emotional can absolutely be perpetuated in a same in, in a similar fashion. So, or it it basically is, you know, it might have been emotional, but it would have, you know, maybe that was Shia's way again. Who knows? He's come a long way since even that movie. Maybe that was just his own way of presenting the way he felt. That the emotional abuse that he was going through was similar or akin to that of physical. I don't know. Again, I haven't seen Honey Boy, so I can't really speak to it. I can just speak to the things that I have heard, and that's not a whole lot to speak on in general. So stop you talking about it. <laughs> not a secret ninja says, I just heard Black Phone and it sounds interesting. Oh, yeah, it's great. Highly recommend it. Asajj says, uh, Shia said that it was the Latin Mass that drew him to the Catholic Church. He said that one Mass didn't feel like someone was trying. Absolutely. Dude, Asajj, yeah, absolutely. We, we talked about this the other day on, on one of the streams when, when it like first came out. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's why it was interesting that the interview was even released, to be honest. Because, yeah, you have Bishop Barron there having to listen to Shia LaBeouf talk about how amazing the Latin Mass is. And Lord knows that this is the time in which we have people in the hierarchy trying to completely destroy the Latin Mass. The Pope himself, with Traditionis Custodis. If you actually read it carefully, it, it indicates that it wants everyone to be in line after a certain time frame. Basically like, oh yeah, we're going to grant it in this instance, right? We're not doing away with it, but eventually you're going to have to accept the... Uh, the Mass of Paul VI. Not the Mass of Vatican II, because if you actually read the documents of Vatican II, the Mass that we got is not the Mass of Vatican II. It's the Mass of Paul VI. So. But I digress. I digress. Yeah, Enola Holmes. Granola Holmes. <laughs> Harvick says, It's not surprising that they are making an Enola Holmes sequel. It's based on a long-running series of children's books. It is to me just because I didn't know that the first one was as was that successful that it needed to have a sequel. Now, it is Netflix, and so Netflix will pretty much make a movie about anything and will make sequels to anything as well. But I still have that same sense of, oh, that's interesting that they would actually make another one. Again, I don't care about the books as much as but just about the fact that the show itself is, or rather the movie itself is being into a sequel. Laura says, yeah, I watched Enola Holmes. I don't think I finished it. Yeah. And yeah, again, I look to that comment right there and I say, okay. And so why are they making a sequel? Just because you can, because there's books does not mean that, oh, that's the reason why they're making it. That's not a good explanation. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Forever Sci-Fi says the best Puss in Boots movie ever made is the live-action version with Christopher Walken as the cat. When was that? When did that happen? I I, I feel like I need to see that. Uh, cheap. <laughs> Three trillion dollars. No, it's not. To be honest, I could see the new Avatar making. I think, ultimately. That the top movie of the year, box office-wise, it's going to be between Top Gun, Maverick, and Avatar. What I will be doing when I'm breaking those numbers down is I'm going to be comparing those drop-off numbers. Because remember, Top Gun, Maverick, though it didn't... I think that Avatar is going to have a much bigger opening weekend than Top Gun, Maverick did. But there's no way in hell that Avatar is going to have the same type of drop-off numbers 
as Maverick. Maverick did historical drop-offs. I mean, it was in the teens from week one to week two. That's how strong of a hold it was. It dropped, what, 15% or something, which is unheard of. Avatar is going to drop well over 50% after the first week. Easily. And that's just kind of the nature and the that's the nature of most big budget films. So yeah, it really just depends on whether the film is any good or not. Is it just a soulless cash grab, a, a, a soulless story set in Pandora? That's how the trailer makes it seem, at least. I look at the trailer and I say, okay, you got your visual effects going on, which really don't impress me all that much, but if that's all you got, and that's what you had for the first film, okay, you got giant blue smurf people. And a regurgitated story that has been done better before. If that's what this second Avatar film is, I don't see how it could possibly even get close to that of the original. But I would not be surprised, depending on those week numbers, um, or the the week to week numbers. Could not I would not be surprised if it was a fight between those two movies, Top Gun Maverick and Avatar for the largest grossing film of twenty twenty two. Um and uh I sure hope Top Gun Maverick holds out, but I'm not going to deny the fact that I think Avatar is still going to be a billion-dollar film. I just don't see how it isn't based off of the previous film. JKD Buck says, Amazon made a disaster of Wheel of Time. Shouldn't, should have been called a waste of time. Poor Robert Jordan and Brandon Sanderson to a degree. But more people watch House of the Dragon than Rings of Power. Um, I, I'm going to... JKD Buck, I'm going to very strongly disagree with you on that last point. Um, cause house of the dragon, as I said, according to the Wikipedia numbers here from, you know, buzz media, wherever it is, buzz daily says there was around 2 million people who watched the opening premiere of house of dragon. I'm sorry, dude. Like I'm sure that they'll play with them again because these streaming companies can do whatever they want. They can say, Hey, we had this number of people over X days, this number of hours over X days, right? They can try and make it sound as nice as they want, but I'm telling you right now, even if you are at least willing to admit that there is a huge negative interest in this. Like, again, interest, negative interest in this show. There's no way that the first episode of Rings of Power does not demolish numbers-wise House of the Dragon. Because House of the Dragon is coming off of Season 8 Game of Thrones, which destroyed the fandom, destroyed the franchise, etc. And... House of the Dragon is the attempt to try and get people back. Whereas Rings of Power, it's got a lot of negative press around it because it looks like it's going to be a giant train wreck. However, what's it coming off of? Ah, people who say, you know what? I'm still going to give it a chance because, hey, Tolkien. A lot of people who have no idea about how little Tolkien might actually or actually is in the show. People who have no idea. They just see Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, like, oh, I'm going to check this out. So I disagree with you there. Maybe long term, maybe long term, I could see that. But those first, that first episode, especially, I, I'm sorry, dude, it's gonna be massive, and it's not just gonna be from people who maybe actually want to see the show. It's also gonna be people like me who are like, ah, I have to because I'm on a show where we, you know, skewer these types of things, but for good reason, right? We want to tell people what's going on. Laura says, one of my local theaters is doing $3 Tuesday tickets. That's awesome. Master of Gaming, which movie would you rather watch? Breaking, starring John Boyega, Medieval, or Running the Bases? I haven't heard of any of those films, so none. Uh, Joey Horn, what's going on? Welcome back. Welcome. 
Let's see. Andrew Hayes says, This year has been an interesting one for me as far as movies, as far as theater movies. I've only seen four movies at the theaters this year. One of those was Top Gun 2 twice. Well, hey, kudos to you. Physics Channel with Kenny Lee, what's going on? Has your opinion on the Batman changed? Remember your original review was very positive, but some things you've said more recently seem to imply that you don't like it as much anymore. Yeah, the longer that I've sat with the movie, the the less I like it. And I think it really comes down to that that twist with the Riddler. I think that I look to that and I say, okay, you just totally destroyed your villain. And so the more I think about it, and especially remember, Paul freaking Dano was in that movie as the Riddler, and I love him as an actor, and I'm like, okay, you've done him dirty. Because now people are going to think, oh, this Paul Dano guy is not as great. And I'm going to be like, no, he is. He just had a bad script and bad direction. (sighs) Anyway... And we see that Mikhail Gorbachev passed away. Ironic, his grandparents were in the gulags and he would be the one to oversee the end of the Soviet Union. Interesting. I had not heard about that. Uh, Harwick says, you might like the Anton Yelkin movie Odd Thomas, which is about the supernatural, but is based on a book by Dean Koontz who bases his portrayal of the supernatural on his Catholic beliefs. Interesting. William Scholl, what's going on? Welcome. Welcome, welcome. General Winkster, tag to say, since you like Black Phone, I'd recommend Summer of 84, similar thriller where teens are investigating a cop who they believe is kidnapping local kids. It was pretty good. Haven't heard of that one, actually. And it's like, in a way, the film reminded me of the film Seven, as both that one and the Black Phone took time to establish humanity in the film and get to know the characters before the crap hits the fan. Oh, yeah, agreed. Yeah, the fact that you have the stuff happening, right? So the kidnappings in the movie start, you know, relatively early on. But as far as the main actor is concerned, it's almost like, what, halfway into the movie when that stuff starts to happen? And so, yeah, I I agree. I I like that they do help to establish the characters before going any further. Victor Fontaine says, just picked up 14 tickets for $3 each for family and friends to see Spider-Man No Way Home in IMAX at at the AMC 20 on Saturday. Ah, Mr. Fontaine! That's right, I forgot that you're in my old neck of the woods. Uh, Because that's that's at AMC Elmwood, right? I think it's the same one. I think you're from my, ne- from my original neck of the woods. Um, that's awesome, though. Hope you enjoyed the more fun stuff version. Terrible name, but hey. Who knows? Jury's still out, I guess. Uh, Gus, what's going on? JKD Buck, who is a member, says, My mom refuses to watch either Top Gun movie. In fact, she cannot stand Tom Cruise. She told me as much. Maybe they got it in... Maybe they got into it at Shoney's or wherever old people eat. I don't know. <laughs> Piccadilly. That's where the old people eat Piccadilly. But by the way, I like Piccadilly. It's delicious. I used to go with my grandparents and I loved it. Nathan says, I would say the ending of the film Black Phone honestly made me like it even more. I love how uplifting it felt. It's like the film made me feel something. It made me feel happiness. Yeah, I agreed. You typically don't get that. Like, typically in that kind of a movie, you get some cliffhanger that leaves you wondering, oh, is there going to be a sequel? Whereas with this one, it's like, okay, this is a complete story. And yeah, again, there's nuance, I think, to the reaction that the kids give to the dad in that film. But I definitely think that it's... um, yeah, I definitely think that is on the more positive, uplifting side. Rob D says, Top Gun Maverick, now number one in movie TV shows on Amazon. Not surprised at all by that. Can only imagine how much money it's raking in at $20 a pop. Um, Let's see. Super Anime Gamer, hey, what's going on, my dude? You're, yeah, you're late. Yeah, I've got like 12 minutes left. So, <laughs> 
Probably going to wrap things up soon. Asajj tagged to say, I wasn't shocked from the Red Wedding again until last night, last week, when the band Electric Callboy came out with a new music video. <laughs> Interesting. Shai's interview with the Bishop was very good. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. It was a very good interview. He had full control of that interview as well. And I actually really enjoyed that because the Bishop tried to pull him in certain directions at time to time. And he was like, nope, I'm talking about this. So I appreciated it. Crisco says, how's the dragon just feels like reheated Game of Thrones leftovers? Still, there's worse things on TV. Currently, She-Hulk. Agreed. Yeah, She-Hulk is crap. She-Hulk is garbage. How's the dragon? I think that's a perfect way of explaining it. Game of Thrones leftovers. Like, if you heated them up. Again, does it taste good? A little bit. Is it as good as what it was at first? And by the way, by, by this, we mean Game of Thrones seasons one through seven leftovers. Because uh, season eight leftovers would be like trying to put dog crap into a microwave. And yeah, no matter what you do, it's just not, not going to turn out well. It's just not going to turn out well. Let's see. Orange Hat says, Nola equals alone backwards. Nola never needs anyone to help her. She is so great. Gushing sarcasm. Ah, is that what they do? Let's see. Walkin's Puss in Boots was made in 1988. It's a musical. Is it actually called Puss in Boots? Interesting. I do like me some walking, though. All right. Stephanie B. in the chat. Hey, what's going on, Stephanie B.? Thanks for being here. Again, uh, please keep everyone, if you can, please keep Tina in your prayers, just because she is dealing with some shoulder pain, um, which is why she's not here tonight. So shout out, of course, to Tina. And Stephanie B., thanks for jumping on. I know that you are coming off of work, so I appreciate you jumping on. Yep, it's all good. I understand. Work comes first. Master Gaming says, Have you seen these movies? Slenderman, The Bye-Bye Man, Truth or Dare? Nope, and have no desire to whatsoever. Uh, Super says, Regarding Enola Holmes, it has to do with watch hours and budget. Just checked an IMDb claiming it costs approximately $20 million, and in watch hours, it's one of the most watched movies on Netflix. Well, then, Super, that would explain. That would explain right there. That would make sense. Now, I don't quite understand why people watch it, but hey, haven't seen it, so I can't really fully judge it myself. Yes, Paul Dano was great in There Will Be Blood. He's been great in almost everything he's done. I, I'm sad that I have to say almost everything he's done. I think from what he was given in The Batman, he did an okay job, but I'm afraid that normies who watch Rings of Power will not give a crap if he stays true to Tolkien's vision, says John Evan Bear. I think that you were right. And that's why, as I, again, I go back to what I said earlier as to why I think Rings of Power is going to, numbers-wise, at least on that first episode, probably several after, but at least that first episode is going to probably uh, blow up the internet. And again, I think it's mostly going to be negative blowing up the internet, but I think it's still going to be there nonetheless. Master Gaming says, theaters are selling tickets for $3. I recommend Medieval if you like Ben Foster, Michael Caine, and The Northman. Well, The Northman I'm very mixed about, but I like Michael Caine and I love Ben Foster, but uh, I don't think Medieval, I don't think it's out near me. Or is that a film that is about to come out? So, September 3rd. I wonder if my local cinema has tickets ready for the third. Also, remember, not every theater is going to be participating in it. So the one that's right next to me will have the Spider-Man No Way Home re-release and Jaws. The 18-screen theater 
I need to pull up the Saturday numbers. Let's see. <laughs> There's nothing here stating that they're doing $3, but they've got a film called Breaking. Is that the one with Boyega, I guess? Bullet Trains and IMAX at 1040. Oh, that interests me. Let's see. Da, 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 da. They've got Orphan First Kill. Jaws, IMAX. So it's not even out near me, so I can't even I can't even watch it. Maybe it's playing in like an independent screen, which is the only reason why I did sign up for Movie Pass. Have no idea what Movie Pass is even going to look like. The only positive that I could think of is, hey, maybe I could actually be able to see films like medieval, more independent films um, at other theaters. And I'll let y'all know how that experience goes because yes, movie pass was a scam for a long time. I called it out. One of my first videos on this channel was calling out movie pass. In fact, and uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and be a Guinea pig though, because if it's good, I want y'all to be able to know about it, but let me see. This is the Saturday showing. So y'all saying $3 tickets. Let me, let me pick a random seat here for this film. From this here film, continue. I don't think my theaters are, are participating. I mean, I'm not in a major city, so. Okay. All it's telling me is that I'm getting it for free because of my AMC A-list membership. It's not telling me how much the actual ticket is, but it's still doing the same 30% off for earlier shows, which is why I don't think my local theaters are, are doing the $3 tickets. Oh, well. Oh, well. All right, just a few minutes left. Trying to get through these last-minute comments. Harvick says, when Jim Carrey was playing Riddler in Batman Forever, Tommy Lee Jones told him, I cannot sanction your buffoonery. <laughs> and yet he himself was being silly, so... David L., these books were made for a walk-in. How did you miss that? If you mean... If, if you mean the movie, because there's movies I haven't seen. Super says, I don't know how you guys do it. I lose my mind watching so many bad TV shows and movies. For every bad thing FNT watches, you should talk about one thing that you love. I do agree with that, and that's why I try to talk... Again, Black Phone, I think, is fantastic. Uh, that's why I've been trying to talk up films like Bullet Train and, and Top Gun Maverick because those are fantastic. Um, luckily, we don't watch, really, we don't watch all that much, to be honest. I mean, there's a lot more that we could be watching. So, uh, and also this week, let's just be honest, the, the main discussion point is going to be the uh, Lord of the Rings. And so She-Hulk is going to be easily taking a backseat. So I'm sure I could probably skip She-Hulk and just completely ignore it altogether. Um, but I... Uh, but no, there are plenty of things that I have not seen. I typically don't go out of my way to watch bad stuff. I try to avoid it as much as possible. So, you know, this is just one of those times where it's not really a thing that I can do. Her sci-fi, yes, it's called Puss in Boots. You can rent it on Amazon. Not sure about streaming services. Super says, why do people watch Nola Holmes, you ask? Oh, it's simple. It came out in 2020 and, it was, and has Henry Cavill. Well, also, it, it also has Millie Bobby Brown. And there are people that do like Millie Bobby Brown. Hardwick, have you ever noticed what Michael Caine says his own name? Yeah, Hardwick, I think you've said that same thing on a previous stream. Uh, J.K.D. Buck, fact, the power of the Rings of Power isn't Tolkien lore. It'll never be just like Star Puke Hard isn't real Trek. Sometimes your names don't make any sense to me. 
Uh, Sage Rogers says, boy, am I crashing this one late. Sorry. Schedule's all messed up today. Hope it's been a good one. Hey, Sage, thanks for stopping by anyway. We are wrapping things up here. Sage says, rings of power will blow up like a night out of Critical Drinker and a few rounds of Taco Bell. Yes, it will blow up for a night and then kind of go away. It says, uh, Nancy Sinatra song. I know the song these boots were made for walking. I know the song. Um, I'm still, I'm trying to get about what y'all are trying to say. Like, how'd you miss that? If you're talking about the movie, okay, yeah, I missed the movie, but I know the song boots are made for walking. Again, I understand the whole walking, walking, but again, oh boy, Harwick context joke. He was making a walking puss in boots joke. These boots are made for walking. Again, I get the joke. I just don't know why it's funny. Because the joke wasn't being made at a time in which there was a joke to be had. Anyway, sometimes y'all try way too hard. So, (laughs) with that being said, I'm just going to go ahead and end things there. Again, I understand the joke. I got it right away. Because, again, boots are made for walking. That's a joke that's been made several times before. It was just that whenever it was originally said or made, it wasn't funny at the time in which it was said. Anyway. Yes, if I explain the joke, well, yes, because I'm trying to make it very clear that the way in which it was first presented was not funny. So, anyway, with all that being said, thank you all very much for being here tonight. Getting a little salty at the end, but I have to from time to time. Got to put people in their place. It's the only it's the only way that we can keep things, you know, uh, you know, in control around here, as it were. But hey. Make sure you check out The Black Phone. Great film. Could definitely recommend it. Uh, Hey, Rings of Power is coming up very, very soon. We'll see exactly how bad it is in the coming days. And, of course, House of the Dragon still is the way that it is. Who knows where it'll be in the long run. But with all that being said, thank you all very much for being here. Please make sure that y'all smash that like button. Light up that fire button if you're watching over on Odyssey. It really does mean a lot. Um, Would that mean you didn't get the joke? No, I did. Oh my goodness! Again, what I'm saying, I'm not. I'm not going to repeat myself. Let's just put it this way: the way in which it was presented was not done well, and to the point where we've actually had to get to this point shows and proves that to be the actual case. And I don't care. With that being said, thank you all very much for being here. I love you guys. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, God bless. You drive me crazy sometimes, people. And now for a huge shout out to all of my Keeper of the Bifrost and Chosen of Valhalla members over on Patreon, Subscribestar, and Locals. Starting off with my Patreon supporters, we got Chris from the 80s, who you can check out on YouTube, Garrett Searles, Hymir Irie Hymason, Jeff Toon, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, Laura, the Modern Major General Story, Father Luca Illich, Orange Hat Reviews, who you can also check out on YouTube, Rosetta Allen, whose YouTube channel's name is Eagle Rider, Stan Andrea. Miss Martin Muses, who also has a YouTube channel, and the Empress of the Universe, Tina B, who you can check out on her show that she does with the amazing Stephanie B, my Valkyrie, uh, on a show called Soup to Nuts on Tina B's channel. Also to my subscribe star peeps, we got Matt317, who you can support over on Twitch, same name, Storm Tracker, The R, Fast Reaction, Mr. Roy, J-Rod, The Beer Guru, and Man, who you can support over at xtheboundaries.co. And lastly, to my locals, 
Eagles members. We got Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan. How about a hockey player? We have UAB Mad Dog Mike Jackson for the win. Brett D90 and Robert Barnes, who most people should know about at this point. So go support him over at InfoWars uh, YouTube and all the other locations that he is at. But if you want your name shout out at the end of every single video and live stream, check out that top link in the video description. Finds out all the places that you can follow me on social media and also all the various platforms that you can support the channel, which include not only shout outs, but also access to giveaways of 4K titles, Blu-rays, uh, tons of other stuff uh, like that digital codes, and then also uh, a way to get access to being featured on the channel once a month for the Chosen of Valhalla live stream, where we're talking about movies, pop culture, and pretty much anything the Chosen want to talk about. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, check out the video description. There's also a access to a podcast that I do with John the Flick Pick Flickinger once or twice a month, and don't worry if you were wondering where the July episode is because of scheduling conflicts, especially with John, we were not able to get that done, but we will have two episodes this month to make up for it, so don't you worry about that. Anyway, you guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day, and as always, God bless.